Hello guys, my name is Iher and you are listening to Just Button. Hey guys, welcome back to yet another episode of Just Baate. It feels like forever since I last introduced the podcast and started things. Okay. But yeah, Ashwin, you're in the UK now. You've been there for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. So firstly, I want to ask you what's that been like? And also because Ashwin's studying broadcasting journalism, he's been doing a lot of reading of all the things happening in the world yep. and he's also been doing a lot of reading on the internet. So Ashwin, how has it been and like what is your take on topics uh, around just the politics in the world and the situation around the world yeah uk has been hectic because like pratip said i'm studying broadcast journalism and i mean the course itself is very hectic and to answer your second question i don't know to be honest because i think i'm having a change in mindset about leaning towards one side all the time because we cover a lot of local news and so when that happens so when i read the news in paper i think of I have a certain opinion but when we investigate that story and we get a lot of different opinions and two side of the story and then I make my own conclusion so I I think I've started to learn from that and to understand that I need to have complete information about something before I actually think about and form an opinion so yes brother that's 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 what's been going on I think I'll pick up right from where you left off you talked about how now you form or you look at both sides of a story or how many other sides there are to a story yeah. and i feel like in today's day and age it's so important especially because of the fact that we have so much information going around mm-hmm. and so one such topic that we're going to be talking about today is war and this is something that's really new for both the both of us and especially because we are from a place where we're fortunate enough to not be facing a war in real life So we just wanted to get that perspective on the podcast as well and to try and understand what it's like for someone who's going through it. So yeah, we're very pleased to have with us Ihor. Thank you so much for taking your time and doing this. Thank you so much How for inviting me to be here. Now, if I'm not wrong, I think you're from a city called Ternopil in Ukraine. That is correct, yeah. Yes. And so we were wondering what it was like growing up and I know there are about 34, 35 castles in the city itself. And so yeah. I wanted to ask you what it was like growing up. Do you have any fond memories while growing up? Yeah, so what was that like? All right. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you a little bit. So, uh, Ternopil is a little city. It's located in the western Ukraine, right mm-hmm. in the heart of western Ukraine. Mm-hmm. It's the most Ukrainian city in the country. We have uh, 99% of our people speak Ukrainian only because Ukraine is uh, half people speak Ukrainian, the other half speaks Russian closer to the Russian border. So the way i grew up in my family we had the ukrainian tradition ukrainian values and we've always cherished them uh, really happy to hear that you read about the castles uh, mm. we have many many castles yeah. so uh, during our school time we would always go on vacations and uh, like school trips you know mm-hmm. and we would visit different castles and mostly it's actually ruins uh, not many castles have survived uh, the uh, second world war and the first world war bombardments and some of them uh, during the soviet time were used as asylums or prisons by uh, soviet occupation so they tried to like uh, destroy our history even back then in the soviet mm-hmm. time especially so this is basically what they're doing right now as you can see on the news yep. they're trying to uh, target landmarks uh, specific sites mm-hmm. churches and so on like for instance in my town alone we had a, a little uh, 
cathedral, right. uh, which had uh, the largest organ in Eastern Europe, I believe, mm -hmm. at the time at least. Mm -hmm. And uh, Russians decided to blow it up. So they planted C4, uh, mm -hmm. the whole thing blew up, and then they built a shopping mall type of thing there. Yeah. Right. Oh. Yeah, it's kind of strange. Yeah. yeah. But if you want to know more about how it was, I was like, how it was like growing up, and then it was just, uh, it was simple. It wasn't easy always, but I wouldn't say I had a bad childhood. I experienced it from different perspectives because I lived uh, all over my city, right. which has quarter of a million people. First, I lived in like a more industrial area where mm -hmm. you have those typical Soviet buildings, the tall uh, nine story big, mm -hmm. you know, uh, like the maze houses. So as a kid, you would just go around. It's like concrete on concrete on concrete. And we would just play football there because... Uh, and when I say football, I mean soccer. Yeah. So yeah, that's the most popular sport in Ukraine as well. And I think basketball would be the second. Uh, so yeah, we would just play football. We'd spend a lot of time outside. Uh, most of us didn't have uh, computers until we were like um, 2008, 9, 10. That's around that time mm, we got okay. computers. Yeah. But we did have like cell phones and stuff. Mm -hmm. Have you, do you know the game of cricket or have you played it or have you? Uh, I do know the game of cricket because mm -hmm. in Slovakia I had friends from India ah. and uh, they were telling oh, okay. me about cricket. You guys are big on it. So yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't just... played it. Mm -hmm. I was invited one time, but I didn't go because I had some <laughs> other plans. I should have though. Now that, now that you're in the UK, I think you should get some friends who play cricket and maybe try. Oh yeah, sport. yeah. easily. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. I will definitely, definitely try. try. I yeah, promise you. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Now, Ihor, uh, yeah. coming to the second question, you've told us about how you were working in Slovakia for a couple of years, and then you moved to the Dominion Republic. So, yeah. and then after that, you came back to Ukraine. Yeah. So, was there a specific reason you decided to come back to Ukraine? So, um, I'll begin how I got into Dominican Republic. Sure, I wanted yeah. to take a yeah, I wanted to take a yeah. vacation, and mm -hmm. uh, so I decided that I will go to uh, Easter Island. It's like a little island off the coast of Chile. Yeah, so I got myself plane tickets and stuff. So I flew all the way to Chile and uh, they denied me entry because my COVID test was not uh, uh, correct, oh, according to them. Okay. So it was okay for me to board the flight to get all the way to the security. <laughs> and right. the, the funniest thing is uh, we were like all in the line waiting mm -hmm. to get out into the country. And right where uh, I was like, there was a person in front of me and he was let in to go through. And I was the first person that decided to do extra check. So you were oh, in no. the line to get another COVID test. But right. since it, some of us didn't have the correct test, we were denied entry. Mm -hmm. So I was stuck in an airport okay. for three days. And after that, yeah, yeah, they That's got me so a ticket okay. back to Spain. And uh, I had a friend, uh, mm -hmm. actually my cousin, she lives in Dominican Republic. So I was talking to her because I was close by in Latin America. I was going to fly there. Uh, and she's like, okay, just come to Dominican Republic. I live here. We've got everything. It's the same, you know, it's nice and sunny. So I went there for uh, just two weeks, but it turned out to be six months. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and then after six months, I just became a bit uh, homesick because when I was in Slovakia, I didn't get a chance to right. go to Ukraine because of COVID right. as well. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Because Ukraine wasn't in European Union and you needed to have certain mm -hmm. tests and all that stuff. And it was okay. very, uh, okay. if, if I were to come, I would have to isolate. Mm -hmm. So it was just not worth it. Yeah. Right. So I came back to yeah. Ukraine just to see my family and uh, I spent there half a year and I applied to be a pilot. And I was accepted uh, for like a commercial airplane. Congrats on that. Yeah, yeah congrats but, on that. But I couldn't uh, go to Hungary because the war started. I was supposed to go right. to Hungary, ah. but they didn't allow us to leave. So I 
could not become mm-hmm. a commercial airplane pilot. Oh. Yeah. What were the first signs that the war is starting and things were going wrong in your city or within the country? What were your first okay, signs of panic? Uh, if that- I will tell. I will track all the way back to 2014 when the war actually started. So we had a revolution. Uh, it was a revolution, basically. Uh, Ukraine always wanted to be part of European Union and mm-hmm. NATO. At least mm-hmm. most people did. And then we, uh, our president, who was elected at the time in 2008, was very pro-Russian, and mm-hmm. uh, he decided to just say no to that. So people went to protest. It was just like 40 or 50 students protesting in Kiev against his decision to turn away from European Union. But then what they did is they ordered um, like police to go and beat the students up. So the students had to run away and okay. hide in like churches and other places. Uh-huh. And then people saw this, right? Mm-hmm. And the next day, 300 people show up, then a thousand. So we had a revolution, right? right? right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And after that, uh, Russia took away Crimea and uh, eastern part of Ukraine. They mm-hmm. declared war on us in 2014, mm-hmm. saying that they were saving the Russian people. But we all know how these referendums went in oh. Ukraine because people were forced to what with a gun like to their head, right. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so that's the first uh, experience. I was uh, 14 at the time uh, or 15 uh, when this happened. And it was really hard on us because everything in Ukraine became suddenly more expensive and we had to deal with many issues and living became hard. So most people from my part of the country, Mm -hmm. we uh, we would have our parents or our family members work abroad and then come back to Ukraine with the money Mm -hmm. they earned to like support us because otherwise Mm -hmm. it was very hard uh, to get by. Uh, and um, regarding your question, how did uh, the whole war thing began, like recently mm-hmm. this invasion? Uh, so it was building up towards it, uh, like in the news. And uh, to be to be honest with you, because my dad he thought that the war was happen was gonna happen like this full on invasion, but I personally didn't believe it. I didn't think that they would just roll into my country with uh, helicopters. Like on the first day, I, I saw a video of like 150 helicopters flying towards Kiev. You know, they were trying to take it away. And I like we were panicking really hard uh, on the next day because uh, this happened on 24th of February. The 25th of February, we were on a train to leave the country. It was mm-hmm. me, uh, my mom, and my sister, and my grandma. Uh, and uh, since I was male, uh, 18 to 60 years old, we're not allowed to leave. Mm-hmm. And I don't have any military experience. And I myself am a pacifist. I I'm strongly right. against uh, using violence as a means of solution to the conflict. So they turned me away. Uh, they threw me out of the train and they were like, uh, go out, uh, go to the exit. And I said to them okay. out loud in the wagon, war is not an exit because they were sending me into the war in my head, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And so I came back oh. and uh, I had to stay for like six, seven months. And then I realized that uh, it's not getting better. <laughs> and uh, a lot of things uh, like we, we were starting to lose electricity uh, for hours. Wait, so you were living six, seven months alone by yourself? With my dad. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So we basically recently when I decided to make my escape, uh, the electricity and the power supply, like water, everything was going out uh, because they were targeting energy infrastructure. So it was getting harder to live every day mm-hmm. so i decided it was time to flee uh, it was a week before my escape i was walking home and i heard explosions like six or seven explosions oh. i was listening to music so i'm like what is this noise i take out my headphones and i hear the oh. explosions you know and i realize no it's just getting scarier and scarier i want to go back to 2014 when it initially started and you talk about how the war initially started but you also spoke about how you were 14 and 15 years old did you understand what was going on? Did you have perspective? Because because I feel like 
now you know a lot that's happened you know the history of why what's happening but back then as a 14 year old did you know what was going on and why th- things were going on this way so i would say yes and no at the same time uh mm-hmm. because i was very conscious and aware I, like history was one of my favorite subjects in school so i had to learn all yeah i was all actually going to ask you if yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah so we um like my father was really interested in all the of these things he still is obviously and uh, he was saying that like this sort of conflict is imminent because russia does not want to give up ukraine and mm-hmm. ukraine does not want to have any ties with russia so he knew and mm. me personally it was like a clash uh, of all the evil again against all the good because we yeah. we have western yeah. values in my country we have the same sort of freedoms mm. that we stand for democracy liberty and uh, everything else yeah. but uh, the way that mm-hmm. people do things uh, in russia it's more of like uh, bribery it's more of like the agent way of uh, thinking and like all the bad things all the bad aspects yeah uh, firstly because of the fact that uh... i mean your dad was also very aware of what's happening uh, in your upbringing itself were you made conscious of things and that uh, in a way were you prepared for something like this being a possibility uh, yes i was told stories of my family and mm-hmm. uh, how we were treated mm-hmm. like i had uh, my grand grandpa here um it was like early 1900s i believe and he lived mm-hmm. in canada um so he had like his own store there and stuff but then his wife asked him right. to come back to ukraine because she didn't want to mm-hmm. leave her uh, mother in ukraine right. and he was asking right. her to come to canada mm-hmm. but he listened to her she, he came back to ukraine and all the money he earned in canada he sold his store and everything and he built like a mill for food processing like grains and stuff he rebuilt the, the whole village uh, and everything was going fine but then the communists came and uh, they had wow. obviously in the communist era you couldn't have any private property mm-hmm. so they took it all mm-hmm. away from him and then they killed him so uh, this sort of things uh, ukrainians had to deal with uh, for a long time you know so it's something that we were aware of of a possibility of this you know while growing up when you were amongst your friends and amongst people your age would you have conversations about the war or about what might happen or would you go about not ignoring it but living your day as living your life so, as the day comes by what's happening so uh, i would say we were exposed to this on football games of all things because these slogans that you hear right now you probably heard slava ukraini mm-hmm. uh, yeah so mm-hmm. these slogans were first uh, a thing during football games you have we have like these ultras fans those are mm-hmm. the most dedicated fans that always stand right behind the goal so yeah. they would scream this to the fans mm-hmm. and we would respond back to them and uh... so this was like the first experience okay. and with my friends uh, i mean once it started once the war started uh, not a single friend of mine or not a single person i know was on the russian side you know uh at least in where i come from and uh, obviously we stood together and we agreed on these things uh, we always had heated discussions mm. how to deal with it because obviously it's we have different like, uh, yeah, views yeah, some yeah, people yeah. are more radical That's some right. people yeah, are yeah. more liberal yeah mm-hmm. but yeah i would say we we all agree on that i mean you have also mentioned how you have escaped and i wanted to know how your mindset was the night before and what mm-hmm. were you thinking the night before you wanted to do this and did you have a conversation about this to your dad because i asked you if mm-hmm. you came with your family but you came alone you did this by yourself i will tell you all about it then uh, so i was preparing for it for about a month and uh, this escape was uh, was like a special operation in a way uh, so in ukraine uh, 
uh, every guy between the ages of 18 and 27 is supposed to serve in the military. Mm -hmm. And if you go to like mm -hmm. a university, uh, then you don't serve while you're studying. Uh, and part of the reason why I was working in Slovakia is to avoid military draft because we yeah. do not have an option for uh, just refusing to serve. Mm -hmm. You cannot say no. Uh, and oh, okay. if you do say no, mm -hmm. it entails a criminal offense of three to five years in prison. Uh, so this is what something I was preparing myself for uh, in my head because I knew I was going to refuse. I knew I was never, never going to serve in the army because I just stand for pacifism. I was kind of preparing myself for that. So uh, mm -hmm. I wanted to initially go through the forest into Slovakia because mm -hmm. this is like an unguarded area where you can just enter a country. And plus I speak exactly. Slovak a little bit. And um, then I realized that that's not a thing because they disallow people to travel to these regi regions because oh. Ukraine knows that men want okay. to escape. Yeah. And this is something they right, right. guard. Mm -hmm. So instead, I was going to swim a river into Romania. But my friend from England, who's hosting me right now, uh, his name is Daniel. Uh, he's He said to me, no, don't swim. Like, it's not safe. And that river is fast and it's yeah. uh, kind of wide as well. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not a very tiny mm -hmm. one. Because like, don't do that. <laughs> So I was like, okay, let's find something else. So Wait, I found so this. I, before before we continue, I want to know how did you meet him, Daniel? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, yeah. I met Danny. Uh, play uh, basically, I went on Twitch one day, and he was playing Counter Strike, and I right. just got Counter Strike, and it was 2015, so mm -hmm. seven years back, and wow. I was sorting for by the lowest viewers because I wanted to see who is like uh, just some new person yeah. to meet with, who I can talk <laughs> right. to and stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had like such a good quality because all the other streamers had like bad microphone, bad audio, or, and he had like the perfect setup, <laughs> camera, everything works fine. I'm like, why is no one watching this guy? Mm -hmm. So I befriended him and we started talking and uh, it was uh, hard for me at the time because my English mm -hmm. was not perfect, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it grew with time, you know. Uh, but we, yeah, we got to know each other. That and... is beautiful. What a nice That's story. beautiful. Wow. Who thought yeah. seven years down the line you'll be living? With right. You? But yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, go on. Continue. Yeah. So um, I found this uh, place where I could actually make my escape. Mm -hmm. It was a uh, border with Hungary. It's like a little flat mm -hmm. terrain. Mm -hmm. And there is a small, tiny river. So I decided to walk down to that place. Uh, and then from there on, I'll make my uh, journey into Hungary. Uh, so on the day uh, uh, I was preparing, um, I took a train to Lviv. Uh, it's like a large city mm -hmm. in Western Ukraine. And mm -hmm. from that city, I went down to the border with Hungary. And uh, when I arrived in Lviv, they had an air alert, uh, air raid. And that means that you're supposed to go to the shelter right. and not just be on the streets. Uh, but people in Ukraine actually don't always take it seriously. So they just go to the parks and stuff sometimes. Because uh, you hear it six times a day, seven times a day sometimes, and you hear it every day, you know, and okay. it disrupts life. So basically every store has to close and mm -hmm. uh, you're supposed oh. to go to a shelter. Yeah, yeah, you're okay. not supposed like, So this every happens every day, six, seven times a day? Well, sometimes twice or three times a day, sometimes once oh. a day. It depends on the week uh, when they right. do it. We had, we had a period uh, yeah. in early September of about a week and a half with no sirens in my region. Right. But then we had okay. again, they started doing mm -hmm. it like on a daily basis. Uh, so we, I arrived in Lviv, we had this air siren and there's a police car driving. If you are on the streets, you need to show your documents to the police if they ask you. And uh, I was a bit scared because they could have seen my backpack, like, what are you doing? What are you preparing for? Because, you know, I was trying to escape at the time. So I went to the park and 
when you enter a park, it's a different scenario. People mm-hmm. are just walking their dogs there. It's like yeah. nothing's going on. <laughs> so I waited for the siren to be uh, to get uh, to finish, and then I went on the train because I had like a three-hour layover, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. got on this train to go to the bordering village. Uh, and uh, it goes like from one city to another on like this sort of route, and right. I leave like around here in like a random place. Okay. And never leaves. Okay. Uh, so when I was on the train, I, uh, since I have long hair, it kind of helped me because I was looking like towards the window with my hair covering my face so they wouldn't see I'm a guy going to this place because a lot of military guys <laughs> were walking there. Right. I had to, right. yeah. Uh-huh. And we also have a curfew, so mm-hmm. you cannot um, be outside between the hours of 10 p.m. to 7 a.m. or 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. otherwise they will ask you what are you doing maybe you're a Russian spy and stuff like that so this is another story uh, like another part of uh, Ukraine that I don't really want to talk about because it's not really nice but I feel like I have to mention uh, it's becoming really totalitarian in the way we handle things like police and government have like full control of things oh, and even though we agree mm-hmm. that it's necessary sometimes it goes too far mm-hmm. or some men right. they take too much power into their own hands and they act uh, mm-hmm. out of selfishness yeah. like for instance i had a friend right. he was escorting his girlfriend who was going to kiev i don't know why she wanted to find some job or something and uh, she asked him to like record a tiktok of her on the train station before they leave like typical yeah, yeah. thing you know and he started doing it and the police came to him and they're like what are you doing here you're not supposed to film military objects because a train station could uh, be considered as an important uh, thing mm-hmm. so they took him to question and they wrote him like a letter not just to appear in the army like a military office to be enlisted oh. yeah so he had to do oh. that uh, luckily he was not enlisted because they didn't need him at the time but right. now he's on the register that mm-hmm. means that if they need him like in november they can just call him up and he'll have to go. He um, will have to go. If he refuses, go. he'll go to prison. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. So those are the things we have to deal with, mm-hmm. which are not nice and mm-hmm. which need to be heard because uh, there is uh, this thing called Geneva Conventions. You mm-hmm. may have be aware of them. And they specifically state that as a civilian, in, uh, if there is a war, no matter if you're a man or a woman, you should be entitled to the freedom of movement into safe areas. And Ukraine does right. not allow men to leave. But that means that Ukraine goes against this article. Right, yeah. Yeah, so right. uh, okay. I've heard our president talk about uh, Geneva Conventions, how Russia is using munition mm-hmm. that is banned by Geneva Conventions, but also Ukraine is not right. doing everything on its part right. that it's supposed mm-hmm. to. Yeah. Right. Do you uh, think this, that's something worth uh, this, yeah. mm-hmm. this mindset is coming from a more Russian side of things? Uh, I could actually see that, yes. I mean, personally, okay, I, yeah. not necessarily. Mm-hmm. I see, I see right. there is a necessity in these right. things. We mm-hmm. need to have more of a control because it's a war. You never know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I see that from his point of view, they need as many men as they want to like fight. But there should be an option for those who don't right. want to fight, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. Plus, there's a lot of good that can be done. It's like some people just aren't meant for this, and mm-hmm. or they don't want yeah. to find mm-hmm. themselves yeah. in this, you know. They wouldn't even be good soldiers if you force someone who doesn't want to right. fight to fight. That is true. But I wanted to ask you, so you now you're in the train in the story mm-hmm. that you're telling us. But mm-hmm. before you left, weren't, weren't you nervous? Weren't you anxious? Didn't you think about what could go wrong? Or you well, might... uh, I was, I mean, I was kind of numb and empty inside because I, I knew that I have to do this because this is my only chance, because basically I applied uh, uh, to come to England, uh, to come here to the United Kingdom. And this was supposed to be like a um, 
they give you a visa for three years, which entitles you to work and study. Right. Uh, yeah, and mm -hmm. uh, you do it through a sponsor. Mm -hmm. So my friend was like a sponsor. He sent me all the documents. We did everything. And uh, at that time, Ukraine allowed men to leave to study. So if mm -hmm. you wanted to go and study, you could leave. Right. Uh, and right. that, that right. was the idea. I mm -hmm. just wanted to study. Mm -hmm. And uh, I applied early September and I got my approval early October, which is really fast, actually. I was surprised by that. And mid-September, our president disallowed men to leave to study. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I was stuck with a visa that was valid, but I wasn't allowed to leave by this visa, which is mm -hmm. just, you know, not yeah. nice. Mm -hmm. And we, he also got in contact with like the British authorities and asking them and stuff, and they just couldn't Whoa. help with that, right. yeah, because they said it's a Ukrainian was, side of things. Right, that was actually going to be uh, what I was going to ask you is once you made it to the UK, yeah. I mean, were you stopped anywhere over there? Well, that was, was there that was the of... simplest experience of my life because I've traveled quite a lot, and sometimes you get weird questions like, once I came to Belgium, yeah, why do you mm -hmm. come to Belgium? You know, like, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> sorry. <it's... laughs> Uh, but this time it was so simple. I handed my passport. I said, I'm a refugee. And he looks at my passport. He's like, off you go, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was 10 seconds most. That was beautiful. Yeah, it was oh, beautiful. Yeah. I was so happy. <laughs> Good on that I was so worried yeah. inside because even though I had everything intact, right. uh, yeah, it was still right. scary. Yeah, I mean, I mean, understandably so. Yeah, as well. I, was, right. I was just going to say, understandably so. I mean, I'd be. I feel like, I mean, again, I'm, I don't want to put myself in your shoe, but I'm just saying, if I were to leave somewhere, I'd just die from inside and be so scared about the entire process. But you were telling us, so so uh, you were telling us how you were in the train and yeah, and then what happened? Okay, so yeah, I'm in this train. This train takes about six or seven hours. It's not far. It's only like 200 miles, but it goes around the mountains. So it's really slow. Uh, and I arrived in this village, it was 9 a.m., uh, 9 p.m., sorry, uh, on a Sunday. Mm. So I picked Sunday as the day where in my head the least soldiers would guard because right. it's a Sunday, you know. Mm. Uh, I arrive yeah. there and I leave uh, and then I walk around uh, the train station and mm. there are three villages I need to pass through. Uh, so I pass through all the three villages, it takes about an hour and a half. Mm. And the last village has mm. a road that leads to the border. Right. And... Uh, uh, it's like a dirt road. It's not on the map, but it's on the satellite map. So I walk down this road all the way to the border and I arrive at this fence. And to my surprise, it was electrocuted fence. So it was not just a normal mm -hmm. fence. It had electricity running through it, like electric, electric right, current. Right. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, that's not good. <laughs> I don't think yeah. I can make it. So mm -hmm. I, I started walking north. And all this time, I'm on the phone with my friend uh, who's hosting me here, Danny. And he's like, okay, don't worry about it. He's checking the maps and stuff. He's like, just go north. Uh, so I'm going north oh. along the fence, which is to my left. So mm -hmm. then the, the fence is on my western side, west from me. Mm -hmm. So I keep walking, I keep mm -hmm. walking. I hear this click clicking sound from the fence that electricity makes. And I did touch it with a stick and make the psh sounds, you know. Whoa. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was about um, two and a half meters tall, which is like, uh, I don't know, in foot, uh, not too good. Maybe like mm -hmm. eight foot tall. Mm -hmm. So I keep wa walking along this uh, fence and then suddenly I don't hear that sound anymore. Right. And I'm like, okay, that's weird because it's all pitch black. Mm -hmm. uh, so I look to the left, I come close to the fence and I notice that the fence is not electrocuted anymore. So my guess, either they turn it off and turn it on mm -hmm. or that part was uh, mm -hmm. electrocuted and that right. part was. Oh. Yeah. So that's when I made my climb. I started climbing over two and a half meter tall fence and uh, it had like this thing on the 
like it was like this and mm. then like this so mm. i pushed it on the other side and climbed all the way over it okay. my shoes were destroyed okay. my jacket was destroyed and my jeans were like a little bit destroyed but i made it to the other side and i'm in the bushes it's like thorny bushes they planted these on purpose i'm pretty sure and i made like a five meter move and it took me five minutes and there was another fence but i'm a bit i'm skinny oh. and that fence was just like with lines so oh. i opened it up and oh, i went through okay. it <laughs> oh. yeah yeah with wow. my backpack as well mm -hmm. uh, yeah and then i started walking uh, more west and mm -hmm. uh, there was uh, another dirt road so mm -hmm. the border was still on my ass so i kept going down this road because my friend was telling me just just keep going keep going so i keep going and then i go more to the left between like bushes and they're like trails from different animals like hawks or bears just rabbits uh, lots of nature actually lots of birds sounds like moose deers and stuff so i keep yeah. going to the left and then i arrive finally at the last dirt road and it has like a, this little river that we were talking about and the other mm -hmm. side is Hungary. Mm -hmm. So I go down to see how the water is. Maybe I could swim it or something or just go through it. But it was very muddy. It was pitch black. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, I threw like a stick to hear the sound and mm -hmm. it was pretty, actually pretty white. And the mud, I thought I might sink, right. sink into it and I didn't want right. to get wet. Mm -hmm. But luckily I knew there was going to be a bridge north from me. So I walked towards the bridge and uh all this time, Danny is like updating me. I'm sharing my location because he checked beforehand. He knew I was gonna get signal there, which is a good, good thing, you know, to get signal. Yeah, that's uh, for Danny as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. honestly, he did everything like a spe special operation. <laughs> yeah. So there is a tower on my right, uh, right by the bridge, mm -hmm. and I'm a bit scared. Mm -hmm. But the tower was not lit up; it was just black. So I guess no one was there. Mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. the bridge itself yeah. has barbed wire at the front of it. Right. Yeah, so mm -hmm. I, you cannot just enter it. Yeah, but yeah. again, I'm skinny. Okay. So what I did, I went through the barbed wire. It was not hard for me, but if someone was a bit more, uh, had more weight, I don't think they would do it. But uh, it wasn't a hard one. Uh, usually like in the military, I was told recently, they put like a ladder on the barbed wire and it mm -hmm. goes down and then you can oh, just walk. Okay. Oh, so you can do it with a backpack, I think. Mm -hmm. But what okay. I did, I put a backpack over the barbed wire and crawled through it myself. <laughs> And then I'm walking on this bridge, mm -hmm. and on the end, there is a large fence with a door. I tried to see if the door was open, it was closed, but I just climbed over it. It was three meters, maybe like 12 foot or something, mm -hmm. uh, but it wasn't hard mm -hmm. to climb. It was just like a regular fence, like any kid would climb that. Yeah. <laughs> so here I am. I went over the river, but I'm still on the Ukrainian side. So mm -hmm. now the border is to my south. And, mm. Yeah, and I'm walking west. So I'm walking, 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 walking. And I know because I checked beforehand uh, that there is a security uh, checkpoint, uh, like a border crossing that people do by foot. And this is a Ukrainian uh, station. So I had to avoid it. It was like here. I was like here. And there is another one down there, but I didn't have to worry about that one because I was going in this direction. So I'm walking and I know I need to go here, like south, and not mm -hmm. reach this place because they will seize me and right. stuff. And I keep walking, keep walking, and I check on the left where I can go, but it's so, like, uh, very, very dense trees, bushes. You cannot just mm -hmm. go in there. Mm -hmm. There's no way. Uh, so I keep walking down this road, and I see another tower, and mm -hmm. uh, like a watch point, guardian tower. And right below at the foot of it, there is an empty wine bottle. Now, I don't know if someone was there or not, but maybe he was drunk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so oh. that was a bit lucky. 
And then I keep walking and then I see a light coming from this border crossing. And I know I need to make my move now mm -hmm. because I need to cross right. before I reach that point. So I check in these bushes. I keep crawling below, but I don't see anywhere where I can go. So I go back on the road and in my head, I'm thinking I'll go a few more meters, maybe like 100, 200 meters, and then try to cross a bit less because I could see in the distance it was less dense uh, on the left side. So I keep going. And this is the scariest part of my life, probably now i hear ukrainian border guards walking towards me and they're talking to one okay. another and my heart stopped a beat there for sure so what i do is i slowly go mm -hmm. to the left and uh, hide in these bushes i lay down like with yeah. my arms like on the back and i just wait and i hear they're approaching approaching me approaching me approaching me and then uh, i see ahead of one of them just going past me and they keep walking where I came from. But this is not even the scariest point. And then I hear that they went to this first place where I wanted to check where I can cross. And they went there and they started like searching around that area. And I hear a sound approaching me. But then the sound goes in the other direction where I came from. So I don't know, maybe they were looking for me. <laughs> but as soon as the sound died, like they went further away from me, uh, I hear like no sounds, only like birds chirp from time to time. And I realize that's my time to make a move. And these bushes, I look around where I am and there are like five bushes. I crawl below them and then I see the actual border. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, this is so lucky. Oh. Like, uh, so the actual oh. border, imagine a river that has no water, just like an embankment. Right, right. Mm -hmm. River okay. without water, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I messaged Danny, like, I see the border now, like, uh, what do I do? He's like, just walk in a fast, steady pace, don't run. I'm like, okay. So I did that. Uh, I walked, it was like maybe 150 meters, like, uh, and then I reached like a Hungarian fence, which was very easy to climb. You just yeah. like put your weight on the pole mm -hmm. and then lever leverage yourself over okay, it okay and then i walk 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 and then i see another fence and this was the last fence right. and somebody uh, like put it down on the ground and clipped it so you can go through it so the last oh, fence i didn't climb nice. i just went through it somebody else did it and there, right. there was like a path afterwards that would lead to the road but i didn't take that path because i knew that from that road i could be seen from the ukrainian point oh, yeah, yeah. So instead i went to the forest and there's like a large forest and i it was like about 45 minutes that I walked in the forest until the road went uh, curly. So that wouldn't be seen from Wait, there. Wait, what time is it now? Now that in the... So this, is, so this was like uh, from 9.30 is when I arrived at the station in mm -hmm. the evening. Mm -hmm. About 11 is when I was at the border uh, line. Uh, okay. Around midnight was when I was making my move. So okay. right Whoa. past midnight. I have everything like mm -hmm. in my conversation WhatsApp. So it was like mm -hmm. about 1 a.m., 1.30 a.m. midnight. So like Sunday to Monday. You talk about this being a special operation. I feel like this could be a movie in itself. Yeah, like, many know, people have told me that. Yeah, I feel like your story could be a movie in itself. Yeah. Oh, that is... Now that you mention it, this yeah. is one of the things I want to do here in England. I want to be like a movie director. I already spoke to the council and they gave me some like options where I could study. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. So maybe one day I'll That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I also want to ask you about that. But before that, you said that you were at home with your dad. Mm -hmm. And so did did he come along or did you have a conversation with him before? So I did uh, tell him that I was going to do this and uh, like he kind of knew that I was doing it, but we, we didn't like want to go into details. I didn't feel comfortable. So I just told him on the day that uh, I'll be doing this and he's like, okay, good luck, hug me. I almost cried and yeah. 
because he's older, he's uh, 53, and yeah. uh, mm-hmm. he still cannot leave Ukraine because you can only leave if you're 60 or older. Mm-hmm. And uh, like okay. he wasn't sure if he was going to make it. But now we're thinking of how to get him over as well because it's it's just mm-hmm. getting worse. Like right yeah. now, to, as of today, I spoke to my uh, friend in Ukraine and he told me they only have electricity for four hours a day. And uh, oh, here in harsh. England, it's getting a bit cold, but not too cold. But in mm-hmm. Ukraine, it's already been snowing for over a week. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's minus yeah. six, I think, minus seven Celsius. Without electricity. Oh. Yeah, without electricity. That's, yeah, so that's yeah. just not... And were you able to contact your dad after reaching the UK? Does he know your story? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like he still has data on his phone mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. uh his phone has a good battery as well so we we can we keep in touch we talk to one another okay yeah so on that side it's all good and what about your mother so and... my mom and my sister on uh, the 25th of february when i was trying to leave with them uh they obviously were let through and uh they uh they went to switzerland because a friend of mine uh he was so nice enough uh, for his with his family they hosted my family for two months oh. three months and mm-hmm. after that uh, the swiss government gave them their own apartment so they have a place to stay in switzerland wow. because at the okay. time it was That's not possible uh, for them to even come to england because they yeah. only had the family scheme because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Ukraine needs visa for okay. UK, but we don't need visa for Switzerland. So, oh, yeah. okay. okay, okay. And now my sister uh, just want to mention that uh, she was accepted at the University in Bern of Bern in Switzerland, yeah. and she can study there. Oh, wow. yeah. Congrats to her! That's, that's to beautiful. Her. I'm very happy for her. Wow! Well done to you guys, and well done to you for and your roommate now that he is your roommate but mm-hmm. well done to both of you for being able to do this because even imagining yeah, it, it's crazy yeah, pulling this it's off it's scary yeah. it's unreal do you do you look back on that day the whole journey? yeah I, I do i do I, once i had a nightmare uh, i was staying in a hostel in budapest mm-hmm. in hungary before i came to see my family in switzerland oh so and, you uh, did see your family in switzerland yeah, yeah okay, uh, so because yeah. I, I crossed That's into good. hungary and mm-hmm. then i went to slovakia uh, i was in hungary uh, for a few days then I went to Slovakia to meet my friends for a mm-hmm. few days uh, and uh, where I also did a podcast uh, with a friend <laughs> but it's not out yet <laughs> but he invited me yeah. okay mm-hmm. uh, and after that I went to Switzerland and spent yeah. a week uh, with my family and then I flew here it's just so much to take in firstly and the fact that you could pull this off and you told us that you planned this over a month and uh, also about the planning itself yeah. was it just you and Danny who planned everything out uh, I spoke to many friends of mine. I have friends all okay. over the world. Mm-hmm. I, uh, right. Like when I was going to cross into Romania, I wanted a friend of mine to come by car right. and just pick me up on that road mm-hmm. where I was going to exit because oh, I would mm-hmm. be all wet and stuff. And right. uh, <laughs> then we checked right. for like plane tickets for right. them to fly there, but it was very expensive mm-hmm. to come mm-hmm. from Estonia. And my friend from Germany had to drive very far as well right. in his car. Right. So. I was uh, thinking of different options and different possibilities, but this became like the most, the one I, that sat in my head, you know, because uh, I also wanted to just cross into Poland because a lot of Ukrainians right now, they are trying to do these sort of things and you have these services that services, you, sort of, you pay someone okay, money they and you. they tell you where to go okay. oh, or you have like yeah, a guy yeah. who goes okay. with you and mm-hmm. they know all the trails and stuff. But these are scary because uh, Polish border is very controlled by Ukrainian mm-hmm. forces because they are aware of this happening right. every day. Right. So right. that was like an mm-hmm. idea, but out of question. I was too worried for that. So, I mean, to think about how many people do you know that know about the route that you took? Um, maybe like maximum 10 people, 
if you want, uh, I, I feel free like sharing with you the exact route. I can show you everything. I have some pictures on my phone as yeah. well. If you're wow. interested. Yeah, about your friends. I mean, this is this talks a lot about just friendship in general yeah. and oh, yeah. kind of bonds you've made. So I think that's really cool. And okay, so with Danny, you met him on the internet. Yeah, what so, about these other friends? Are uh, they uh, oh, okay, all so internet friends? My personality is very, like I'm open-minded. I'm friendly. I can become friends with anybody. I've been told that many times. And uh, when I was about 14, uh, right when this war started in Ukraine, uh, I didn't feel like very comfortable being outside and stuff. So I just decided to make friends online because also right. in my city, right. it was uh, like I was bullied and all mm-hmm. the other things because I was mm-hmm. different. I had longer hair before as mm-hmm. well. And we're, we yeah. were a bit. I think that's fucking yeah. cool, by the way. The fact that you can rock long hair, that's too cool. Yeah. So I just decided to make friends online and Mm -hmm. my English was terrible at the time. So uh, I was just (laughs) typing uh, in Minecraft Mm -hmm. on some servers. (laughs) I I became friends with this guy from England. Mm -hmm. His name was uh, Alfred and nicknamed Squally the Wally. And he was the first English person that I listened to. So he would Mm -hmm. talk to me on Skype and I would just listen to him and just respond like this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, after that, I gained confidence and uh, about... uh, a year later, uh, approximately, uh, I started talking in uh, CSGO because a friend from Netherlands bought me a game so I can play with my other friends as well. Uh, so I started talking to other like English um, people, you know, and mm-hmm. just bit by bit, uh, my English got better. Wow, that's and I how you picked up good the language. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> that that's is really games, beautiful. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, now I feel bad about myself because I, in India, I come from a um, come from a state called Karnataka, and I've oh, okay, I know that one. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And I've lived there, I think, for seventeen years. Well, mm-hmm. I think seventeen, eighteen years now, and I still don't know the local language. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I struggle <laughs> to understand. I can't speak but a word. You guys have so many languages. You are really, really cool in that's that regard. True. I yeah, love but, that. True. I mean. But the thing, that's the thing, like, I lived in a place for 17 years and I haven't picked the language. You've picked a foreign language talking to people. And I think that's yeah. super cool. Yeah. <laughs> Thank so you. really well done on that. Yeah. Now, uh, I wanted to ask you, I mean, we had one of these questions listed that what, uh, what is, I mean, for us, for someone who, who we have not been involved in a place where there is war happening. So what's something that people don't think about or people don't comprehend that you do when you are in a situation like that um so i think it's it's a different mindset because i always try to uh, reach the person i'm talking to to explain to them the things we have to live through Mm -hmm. uh a lot of people, I would say, because we are we live in a modern age where communication is so simple and yeah. easy. Mm-hmm. I think these days right. wars are not as effective because of that. Like we can see easily what's happening mm-hmm. in Iran, and we mm-hmm. can say that's wrong, and as well like in other countries. Uh, and uh, that's the beauty of internet. So I would say just. Uh, be careful when you read information online because there is a lot of stuff that is sponsored by Russian trolls and stuff. Mm-hmm. Or in any conflict, mm-hmm. you always have this side anyway, or this yeah, side. Right. Course, and I've, yeah, I've yeah. noticed that you guys say that you're trying to see things from different perspectives. You don't have a certain opinion mm-hmm. on just one thing. Yep. At the beginning, you yep, said yep. it. And that's really important. That's how I see things. Because when the war started, uh, the first thing I was saying, like, it's, um, I'm worried for my friend in Russia. I have one friend in Russia. I met him on CSGO as well. I'm playing Counter-Strike. Yeah, okay. And uh, mm-hmm. when the war started, uh, believe it or not, he messaged me at mm-hmm. first. He asked me if everything is okay with me, with my family. 
and he right. said him and his friends are against the war. He right. also told me a little right. story about uh, uh, some of his uh, like uh, friends. They live in St. Petersburg. Uh, you probably know it's a large city. And they were stopped in a metro and the police were taking their phones away from them, checking if they sent any messages on WhatsApp or Telegram oh. or uh, Instagram to their people, to their friends or relatives abroad. And if right. you did have at least one message or anything in English as well, they mm. would take away you and okay. your phone. And yeah, oh. so they have to deal with that oh. in Russia as well. Oh. So what they do now, what they do now is they lock their phones. And if someone takes away their phone, like you can't unlock it. So they take away like the fingerprint mm. lock, just use the, the regular one. Yeah. <laughs> that is very smart. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There was one girl, uh, I don't know if you've heard, but uh, her dad, uh, he saw her Twitch stream and that she was saying against the war, like Russia's doing wrong things, they're killing civilians. And he saw her Twitch. He called police on her, on his own daughter. Uh, and they tried to break into her house, to, but she like locked her phone as well. So so they, because they, they're not allowed to use Instagram now. So they have to use right. VPN to access mm, Instagram. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and she turned right. on, turned off the VPN, and the police couldn't turn it on oh. to check her messages. <laughs> oh shit! But yeah. nice. I didn't know that happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't know it was. Yeah. Own yeah, father, yeah. yes. That is just. I don't know what to say about that. But I mean, but talking about you, you did yep. say that now you have now you've been allowed to study here, and mm -hmm, you're going yeah. to college. So we yeah. want to know what that's like. So what is your plan, staying in the UK? What do you think you're going to do? So I'm a very artistic person. Mm -hmm. uh, I play a guitar harmonica as well. And uh, I always, uh, I, I used to play in a th local theater in Ukraine right. and always feel confident okay. on the stage. Uh, I love interviews. So thank you so much for inviting me. <laughs> thank you so much for coming here. It's, it's very brave to do this. So thank you so much for that. And it's also really great that you're doing this. Uh, you have this like uh, platform where people are free to express their mm -hmm. thoughts. Yep. So this is really important. Uh, and uh, it, it's, like every single view matters you you never yep, know who's yes, gonna watch yeah. it yeah uh so i'm planning to do like i spoke to the council and they told me like i can do theater i can do uh, because i'm trying to do mostly film directing and i think if i can uh, i will get through there because they have like a princess trust i think it's mm -hmm. called and uh, mm -hmm. uh it's like a four-week training and uh we'll see how it goes but uh, hopefully okay. it will be film directing if not it will be something in theater or acting mm -hmm. Uh, and if not, maybe something with music as well, because that's very easy for me. That is so exciting. And that is beautiful that the fact that you can express yourself artistically. I yes. mean, even Pratip does, mm. he used to play the piano and he oh, the photographer yeah. and okay. he also writes. Yeah. So he does a lot more than, I mean, he's an engineer. Ashwin himself writes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, right. I don't know it's why. really cool. I'm really happy to hear that you also write stuff. I also write poems and I'm a big literature fan, so... And they write some songs as well. Uh, so we'll see, I guess. <laughs> you know, maybe if you could send us a recording of one of yeah. your songs, yeah. I yeah, could I'll probably send share you. it. Send you. Send yeah. you. That would be really cool. Yes, that would be right. super, sure. super cool. I feel like we could talk forever. I feel like you're someone I really want to know. But this is how we end episodes for some right. reason. But are you a tea or a coffee person? I'm a tea person. Yes! Oh, <laughs> that's, oh. Really, that's really nice. Yay! How about you guys? Oh, tea. All day tea. I mean, we have had a lot tea. of guests. I think we have had 70 odd guests and they all root for yep. coffee. And really? I've been looking for that one sole person who likes tea. So. You know, I will agree with you. Most of the people I meet, they say coffee too. Yeah, and exactly. It surprises me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 
surprises me too but yes I, i just had today i had some green tea yesterday i had some white tea and i had for oh, the nice. first time oh no sorry for the second time i had the indian spice mm-hmm. tea i had one uh, oh. brewed for me by yes. an indian guy in slovakia and mm-hmm. ever since i could not forget nice. the taste it's so good <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. it's really nice see oh thanks. Amazing, i'll make man. myself one right after this episode. yes yes oh it's awesome. been a blessing Hopefully. talking to you first, it's been a pleasure thank you first of all well done to you for being brave to go through all of that in your home country and for the fact that you could decide for yourself i'm come to the uk and start almost like a second chapter of your life pretty much yeah yeah and hopefully yeah. one day you do get to go back home and you do get yes. to live peacefully that like the way nice. you do here back home so thank you yeah. very much guys thank you so you've much been, you've been so nice <laughs> thank you so much guys you've like awesome, share and subscribe all the good yeah. stuff but go check him out we'll put all of his links on in the description below listen to his story yep. and try yep exploring more stories of people who go through this and try understanding what they go through so that you can help in one way or the other so yeah thank you yep. so much for watching thank you very much yo yo thanks for tuning into the latest episode of just baate we hope you enjoyed it and that it left you inspired Thanks for all your support and maybe you could support us just a little more by maybe going to our Instagram and Twitter and giving us a follow there and also you can listen to us on all podcasting platforms right from Spotify to Apple Podcasts to Google Podcasts cheers